Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the show. I'd like to start out by thanking those essential personnel working on the front lines against coronavirus, the doctors, nurses, and all the others out there doing their best to get everybody healed and taken care of. I also want to thank the essential personnel who are keeping the stores stocked and open as best they can and making sure that this great country of ours continues to run while a great many of us are stuck at home. And thank you for tuning in and listening. We got a pretty good show for you today. A great show, in fact. We are going to be getting caught up on some Ducks news, talking Sabrina Ionescu, and listening to some segments of a great uh, interview with her. And then in the second segment of the show, and the uh, last segment, we're going to be playing an interview that I had with Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos about Oregon Ducks draft prospects. We're still working that network to be able to get you the opinions of those professional teams that will soon be the destination of our great Oregon Ducks in the draft this year. So let's get to it. You have too much to give to say silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. You can always find me on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Ducks. And if Twitter's not your jam, you can always follow the Facebook page, Locked On Ducks. Just a couple of notes before we get rolling. Tomorrow we'll be doing some uh, Ducks football and basketball news and returning to that. But we're, of course, going to have some of those great crossover episodes with college host to review great games. I know I teased that last week. And we're going to be doing more draft prospect interviews with the professional teams as they come along. Uh, let me know what games you would like to hear. You know, I was thinking like maybe we could talk 1995 Rose Bowl with the host of Locked On Penn State, something like that. Reach out to the show on Twitter with the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. And share comments, questions. We'll talk about them, uh, talk about them on our mailbag session. But for now, let's get on to the action. So, Sabrina Ionescu is a basketball goddess. I mean, pretty much a, a college goat at this point, and is going to go on to have an amazing career. I bring this up because she's won her second straight Wooden Award, and we're going to talk about and review all her stats. Now, I had been putting off talking about this when she won the Naismith Award, for example. I didn't want to do a whole show or a whole segment on Sabrina's accomplishments. So we wait till the uh, Wooden Award gets it, and then we can talk about all of the, the great accomplishments and achievements this outstanding Oregon Duck athlete has had in her career. But before we get to that, I want to hear Sabrina in her own words. Uh, remember a little bit about uh, this last past season and what it meant to her. Just being able to play with my teammates. I mean, we've had some great wins. Uh, we, we were able to beat Team USA and, and beat a lot of top-ranked teams. So just being able to share those moments with my teammates, it's something that I'll never forget and, and always cherish. And what a season, too. Uh, starting off by beating Team USA in an in a exhibition game and then going on to be second in the nation and the favorite to win it all in March Madness. 
And of course, she was the Pac-12 tournament MVP and uh, scored 31 points in, in the semifinals performance. Just a phenomenal job. She will be drafted number one overall uh, by the Liberty. And actually, that's a week from Friday. So we'll be staying tuned uh, for that and reporting on the NBA draft. And we're going to be talking about Sabrina's fellow outstanding uh, women's basketball players in, in shows soon to come. But right now, I want to capture... Uh, what Sabrina had to say on, on watching the uh, WNBA draft from home. Um, obviously not what we had expected to, to be able to be in New York and, and walk across that stage, but I'm happy that they're able to do something virtually and we're still able to share that moment together. Many, uh, most, all athletes are sharing that sentiment as they will to be watching the drafts from home. It's going to be a very interesting process with a virtual draft, and hopefully we can see live stream reactions of players at home as they get announced. A lot of good draft coverage coming up. But right now we're talking Sabrina Ionescu. I'm going to play one last uh, sound clip here of hers, and uh, it's basically Sabrina talking about how she keeps active while she's on lockdown here in Oregon. I'm doing everything that, that I normally have been. There's there's a private gym that I still go here to get some shots up. If not, I'll walk to the park or um, outside. I'll, I'll lift with some of my mom's pots and pans. Continuing to train, doing whatever it takes. Good on her. Love that mentality. You can even call it the mamba mentality. Where being great is not a lifestyle. It is an obsession. And I love that work ethic. So, Sabrina Ionescu has won a second straight Wooden Award. And... That makes her a consensus player of the year. The Wooden Award, the Naismith Award, the Wade Trophy, the AP Player of the Year, the uh, United States Basketball Writers Association, the NABC. She also won the Nancy uh, Lieberman Award for the top point guard in the country in women's basketball. So just consensus player of the year. This year's greatest co college basketball player and arguably one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. In fact, there are only six other female players to win the Wooden Award two times. Uh, Simone Augustus, Candace Parker, Maya Moore, uh, Brittany Griner, Brianna Stewart. And all of those women were on the 64 college basketball goats list that ESPN put it up that we covered. I re highly recommend going back and listening to those shows. It's a For some, it's a great trip down memory lane. For others, it's a good history lesson. And it's just fun to be able to talk NCAA basketball uh, while we're uh, missing March Madness here, but, uh, or, well, we missed March Madness. So go back and give that a listen. But, uh, but Sabrina was also a consensus first team All-American, and this is her third year in a row as Pac-12 Player of the Year. Coach Graves, Kelly Graves said it was, a, a, and this kind of goes without saying, but he said it's a historic performance, and it's really unfortunate that she doesn't get to validate it with a national championship. Which is true. She made it her mission this year to uh, go out there and uh, finish what she called unfinished business, returning to Oregon instead of declaring for the draft and going on to win a national title. So that is one thing that uh, there's going to be an asterisk there next to her name that uh, coronavirus canceled the NCAA tournament uh, during her senior year. Just to refresh our memories, I never get tired of saying it. She set the record and is the only one to hold a 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. She also has 26 triple doubles, which is more than twice the person who has a number two uh, on the all-time triple-double list, Kyle Collinsworth, who had 12. And just for some perspective here, 
Shaq ties a lot of people in third place with six triple doubles. So third place, Shaquille O'Neal with six. Second place, Cal Collinsworth with 12. And then at the top, Sabrina Ionescu with 26 triple doubles in her career. She finished the season with 17.5 points per game, over 8.5 rebounds per game, and led the NCAA with over 9 assists per game. She's actually fourth all-time in the NCAA with a career total of uh, 1,091 assists, and she leads Oregon all-time in points, assists, of of course, three-pointers, 329 of those, and double-digit scoring games uh, for 134 of those. Like I said, she's going to be drafted number one overall by the Liberty, and we're going to be tuning in and reporting on that as soon as it happens. So look forward to that. For now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, I'm going to be playing an interview that I did with the host of Locked On Broncos, Cody Rourke. You can find him on Twitter, at Cody Rourke NFL. That's Cody, C-O-D-Y, Rourke, R-O-A-R-K, NFL. That's how you reach him on Twitter. I do recommend listening to his show. He's got a lot of good guests, a lot of good information. So when we come back from the break, and for the third segment, you're going to be hearing... Cody, interview me about Oregon Ducks prospects. A lot of good uh, uh, nuggets and info in this one. So see you on the other side of the break. I'm a big Ducks guy. I spent half my life in Oregon, so I watched a lot of Darren Thomas back in the day, Marcus Mariota, Jeremiah Masoli, and so very excited to have Jordan Long here, one of our college hosts across the network here. As we approach the NFL draft, Jordan, how are you doing today, my friend? Appreciate you for joining me. Thank you very much, Cody. I'm really excited to be able to do something during this period where a lot of people aren't able to go to work. You and I are just fortunate enough to be able to uh, be in our studio or at home uh, talking about sports. Doing something that we love. And I think that for many fans that listen to the show, there's a lot of Oregon Ducks fans, by the way, that listen to Locked On Broncos. And uh, I think it's exciting to kind of have that tie-in. So I'm, I'm very excited to get your expertise on a couple of draft prospects that I think the Denver Broncos could have their eye on, plus a little bit of a player profile series to get to know these guys a little bit more. And as you guys heard earlier on the show, we had Coach Levitt, who used to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Oregon, had coached Justin Hollins, who is now a Denver Bronco, and his coach Troy Dye. We got some insight on him. And and let's start off with Troy Dye here, Jordan. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit more in depth about him because he's one of the more realistic targets that I see in maybe rounds two or three for the Denver Broncos at this point. What can you tell me about Troy Dye and just what he provided for that Oregon Ducks defense? And Coach uh, Levitt had mentioned earlier that he's just a super smart guy and he's got really physical traits. He thinks he's NFL ready. He's not going to come in and be intimidated and that he's going to be a guy that he feels like plays in the NFL for many years. What are your thoughts on Troy Dye? Well, I I really appreciate starting out with Troy Dye. And obviously the big name coming out of Oregon is Justin Herbert. But both Justin and Troy won the team MVPs this year. And they're the only two people to win it three times in their Oregon career, aside from Marcus Mariota. So I think that really speaks to what Troy was able to do for this Duck defense as they won the Pac-12 championship and the Rose Bowl this year. As you know, uh, a lot of the guys here have been playing for three different coaches and three different schemes. And I think that has to be taken into account when you consider the kind of versatility that they can provide. I don't really see it as a drawback. But Troy Dye is a, a, a very athletic, very fast linebacker. Um, and he's tough as nails. I, I don't know if you guys got a chance to talk about how he played with a club because of a broken thumb. Yep. And then down the stretch, the final stretch of games, he actually partially tore his meniscus. 
but the MRI unfortunately came back negative. So he didn't know that was what was wrong with him. He played through it for the rest of the season, obviously racking up the stats that he did. In last season alone, 84 tackles, two and a half sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, four pass breakups. And he's doing this down the stretch on an injury that sidelines most guys. So it's that kind of tenacity and toughness that really make me feel good about what Troy Dye can bring to the next level. Well, I've looked at many mock drafts specifically for the Denver Broncos, and Troy Dye has always been one that I've selected if I've seen him available in round number three. Um, I think he's a very talented player. Obviously, his brother plays alongside him, too, as a running back. But Mm -hmm. the question I have for you, a lot of Broncos fans are wondering about coverage. How is Troy Dye as a coverage inside linebacker? From what I've seen on tape, I mean, he, he gets dirty. He's very instinctual, which I think helps him out in that area. Yeah, I, I, I love the smart ones, Cody. And and Troy is one of the smartest linebackers I've seen come into this program. Probably the best linebacker we've ever had. And it's that kind of smarts and football IQ that that I think set him apart from the the kind of that third round talent. And when I think about what, you know, Isaiah Simmons can bring, it's like, well, not everybody's going to get an Isaiah Simmons. So if that's not your top priority, but it's an important priority as it as it seems to be. And by the way, I love what John Elway has done with this third round pick, 77, 83, and 95, I think. That's just, that's ripe for this kind of crop of, of Oregon draft picks. And and Troy Dye's smarts, getting back to Troy Dye for a second, Troy Dye's smarts uh, are, are what separates him. He's able to read the offense really well, follow the quarterback, a great QB spy, and uh, a great open field tackler. And I think that his best strengths are in that that passing game, protecting the, the middle of the field, which is just so important in today's game where that's really where quarterbacks are making their money in these, you know, kind of screen games and trying to advance into that that middle area. And I think Troy Dye is well equipped to deal with that. Um, while he does, I'm not going to be a homer and say he's got it all. His lack of strength sort of comes out when he has to take on those uh, front-facing tackles, but he has the frame to really bulk up. And I think at the next level with the right kind of uh, system and the right kind of training, he could be a day one starter or even just a a top talent in as a year two. I'm excited to see how Troy Dye kind of fits out. My hope is that the Denver Broncos select him. You know, we know that Jim Levitt is good friends with Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. They've talked a lot, and I'm sure he's gotten some intel on it. And uh, Coach Levitt had told me earlier in the interview that we had here on the show was that he's, he's had many football teams calling him and asking him about Troy Dye. So I think it just speaks volumes to uh, the nature of what Troy Dye's been able to do. He's been one of those standout guys that I've always admired watching in an Oregon Ducks uniform. And we're going to transition to another position here, which is another area where the Denver Broncos have a need. Not necessarily sure he's going to be a first-round guy or even a second-round guy, but let's talk about wide receiver Juwan Johnson a little bit from Oregon Ducks, one of Justin Herbert's most reliable targets in 2019. We saw him make a lot of plays. How would he fit the role, do you think, in the NFL? And what do you think uh, his ceiling might be? Well, I think his ceiling is actually going to be pretty high. And just kind of as an, a side note here, everybody's got to compare themselves to, to the Calvin Johnson, right? But uh, he did go by uh, Juanatron in, in high school and early in college. Uh, he is a transfer from Penn State, only played for Oregon for one year. But his Penn State numbers are outstanding and was, in fact, one of Trace McSorley's number one targets to get that first down. He's excellent at getting that first down. Not the biggest red zone threat, right? But really sure hands, very, very big. 
In fact, if I were to talk about these, you know, uh, draft measurements, right? He's got the pterodactyl wingspan, the gorilla arms, and the, and the and the bear paw hands, but he doesn't have the bunnies, as they say, right? He really. I was looking for now. Calvin Johnson ran a ran a four three eight, I think, and and in no way was uh, was Juwan going to be able to do that. But I was hoping for something in the four fives. And he ran a four five eight. And when I watch his tape, and when you watch his tape, you can really tell that he uses his athleticism to break away from uh, the protection on routes. So while he doesn't have that top end speed, right, that burner speed, he certainly has the smarts and the athleticism to create the open space. And should he get caught up in the middle of a catch, he is the kind of receiver who can, you know, as they say, climb the mountain and bring it down. And I was very impressed by seeing a lot of that. As you mentioned, I think IQ is huge. With When we talk about these players, we hope if they're going to go to the NFL, they have a football IQ. But, you know, he understands how to beat coverage. He understands the positioning of a DB's in his backpedal, how to, if he's stemming inside, how to be able to get on top of his ho- uh, heels a little bit and be able to break out and get a little bit of separation. You know, you mentioned he doesn't have that burner speed, but his route running does create separation. And it could be a target for the Denver Broncos in one of the mid to later rounds of this year's NFL draft. And Jordan, as we transition along, we're going to come up talking next about the offensive line because there's several prospects because the Ducks had one of the top offensive lines in the nation in 2019. But before we get into that, I got to remind listeners of the show, we have a locked on NFL draft coming up this week on Friday is the first episode. You guys are going to hear a little bit of that here on Locked on Broncos. Where do the Broncos end up at pick number 15? We discuss it all in our Locked on NFL mock draft, which is coming up this Friday and all of next week on the Locked on Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. We are listening to an interview with the host of Locked On Broncos, Cody Rourke, talking Oregon Ducks draft prospects. Entering the second round of our discussion here with Jordan Long, host of the Locked On Ducks podcast, we talked about wide receiver Juwan Johnson. We talked about linebacker Troy Dye. But now I'm going to shift my focus to the nitty-gritty, the dirty part. And this is what head coach Mario Cristobal loves. He loves a nasty, tough, tenacious run game. And the Oregon Ducks were powered by a variety of offensive linemen, in which, in my opinion, I wish Penny Sewell had declared for the NFL draft because <laughs> I would have selected him with the first overall pick in the NFL draft that the Broncos had it because he is a ridiculous talent so we get to watch him another year at Oregon and luckily for you Jordan you get to cover him for another year uh, but let's talk about some other offensive linemen because the Denver Broncos could add some depth they brought in Graham Glasgow to play right guard for them this offseason via free agency there's been some talk about their need to look at tackle and I want to start off with Calvin Throckmorton who's been available in the majority of mock drafts what do you think transitions well for Calvin Throckmorton to the NFL game? Because the draft network, they have a lot of different uh, statistics or descriptions of him about his hips. But I, I tell you what, if you have the number one re- rushing offense in college football in the nation, then I think that, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that narrative could be challenged a little bit. So tell me a little bit about Calvin Throckmorton. I, I think you're absolutely right to bring up Calvin Throckmorton first. And not just because he could be a day one starter, but also because of his versatility. What Calvin Throckmorton brings to the table, well, at six foot five, 309 pounds, a, a big guy, but athletic enough, right? But he really does have that upper body strength. You know, out of his 52 starts, 42 were at guard or were at tackle. He played five at guard and then even played three or four uh, starts at, at the center position. So we're talking about someone who has the experience and versatility to be a, a quality day one starter at 
tackle. I'm going to I'm going to get to the tackle guard thing in just a second, but he can also back up other positions along the line. And I think that's extremely critical for the Broncos who appear to be in a, a, a moment of kind of transition uh, along the offensive line. And as important it is to protect uh, a guy like Drew Locke, you're going to want some stability and having a backup like Calvin Throckmorton is going to provide that. Now, the reason why I said I was going to get to the guard position in a second is because although he was primarily a starter at tackle for the Oregon Ducks, he has actually said that he would prefer to play guard in the NFL. And like you talked about, that criticism of his lower body, the ankles and the hips might make him more more suited for the guard, but with ability to to swing both ways, so, so to speak. I do want to add that he considers himself to be uh, an intelligent surgeon. He actually wants to get into medicine after he's done with his football career. And he's often said intelligent surgeon of the offensive line. And that's how he approaches his game. I like that too, because Mike Munchak, you know, one of the best offensive line coaches who was in the NFL, he likes guys that could do it all. And I think with a guy like Throckmorton, his ability, openness to, to play whatever position the team asks of him, I think can bode well, because the Broncos right now have a question mark at the center position. Right now, they're pretty good at the guard position, unless Graham Glasgow bumps over to center, which he could play as well. So you could see an option for him to open up at a guard or a tackle position if the Broncos do look at drafting him. But I want to talk about another Oregon Ducks prospect here. Um, um, there are a couple, actually, two more, and, and Jake Hansen being one of them and Shane Lemieux being one of the other ones. What can you tell me about these guys? Because, look, I think uh, the Oregon Ducks connection, John Elway has attended some Oregon Ducks games. I believe one of the games he attended was against Washington, and also I believe he attended the Stanford game, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that uh, you know John Elway's had his eye not only on a lot of other prospects, but I feel like offensive line is probably the primary one. And we've seen with his history, Royce Freeman coming to the Denver Broncos and mm-hmm. Justin Hollins and potentially being linked to Troy Dye now. I think that the Oregon Duck connection to the Denver Broncos is very real. Absolutely. And and Jake Hansen and Shane Lemieux are, are also outstanding prospects. Shane Lemieux was uh, probably one of the most uh, focused starters, really starting the, the entire time at left guard or starting in all 52 games. But like I mentioned, Calvin Throckmorton worked his way in there at times, but but really kind of a, a blue collar mentality and, and a lunch pail work ethic. But but I'll get to, to Shane in a second. Going back to Jake Hansen, uh, center apparently undersized, right? Six foot five, 303 pounds. In fact, uh, NFL media's Lance Zerling is, is one of the guys who pointed out that this lack of power and, and body mass is a concern. But I think that Jake Hansen really put that to rest when he showed up at the combine and ripped off 33 bench press repetitions. Now, I know some people like to say, well, we don't put too much stock in these these single performances, but where a guy, where strength is a concern with a guy, uh, and, he, and he busts out, I think, the, the fourth uh, most reps of any offensive lineman and six reps above average for his position, that has to be noted. Also, he attended the uh, Offensive Line Performance Center uh, with uh, LaCharles Bentley, who, who has this sort of training camp, and they, they both – missed the all-star game so they could attend this camp. And for Jake Hansen, I think him and uh, Shane Lemieux, but for Jake Hansen, I think that this was really an opportunity to focus on bulking up and address the strength concern, which I think he's absolutely done. I I hate to keep reaching for these, these elite pro comparisons, but when I think of a guy like Jason Kelsey, you know, future hall of fame center, in my opinion, for the Philadelphia Eagles, they're about the same size. And I think that's the new style of NFL center. No longer are you just trying to bully the nose tackle, 
but you're it's about being more athletic, being more diverse, and being able to recognize and help the quarterback with what's going on the defense and have the communication skills, the smarts, and the athleticism to react to it. And I think I think Jake Hansen absolutely has that. And I'd be intrigued to see how the transition works for these guys going to the NFL. And I'm a big believer, too. There are a lot of people in Broncos country that say that the Broncos need to draft an offensive lineman in round one because drafting a guy in round one means that he's more likely has Pro Bowl potential. I believe that Pro Bowl potential could be developed. And look what Coach Cristobal has done on the Oregon Ducks offensive line. That He's created tough, nasty, relentless guys, and the run game has really benefited from it over years. And luckily, I mean, for the Broncos this year, I was – on the conversation last year saying that the Broncos need to take a look at Justin Herbert, but he decided to stay another year, which mm-hmm. I think was a great move for him to be able to do that. He's a smart guy. Uh, loved what Daniel Jeremiah did with him on moving the sticks uh, in terms of his player profile series, interviewing his roommates and coaches from high school uh, to college. You know, I think he's done a really good job there and I want to see Justin Herbert succeed, but there's a chance that he ends up in the AFC West. So that's something that I would like to avoid uh, in the future. But Jordan, I really appreciate your insight on guys like Juwan Johnson, Troy Dye, Jay Canson, Shane Lemieux, and Calvin Throckmorton. I think your insight's been incredible, and I love what you're doing with the Oregon Ducks coverage on the Locked On Ducks podcast. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. We got an exciting thing going on right now where I think the 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 – the sports world is looking for connectivity during, you know, as I've said on my show, and, and this is a bit tongue in cheek, but I, I think keeping it light is good. I like to say, uh, get get locked on while you're locked down. And the chance for us to be able to connect and, and share with our, our, our listeners the kind of family mentality that the Locked On Podcast Network brings is a rare one. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be talking to you. And that concludes the interview with Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos. You can follow the Broncos at Lockdown Broncos. You should check out his shows. Very good one. Really informative and lots of great guests. And you can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Please stay tuned. Tomorrow we'll be updating Oregon Ducks football news and going into more detail on Oregon Ducks basketball news as well. Hope to be diving into that mailbag and answering some questions. And as you heard Cody mention, Friday kicks off the Locked On NFL Channel's mock draft. And this is going to be a really fun time, so I highly recommend subscribing and tuning in to the Locked On NFL channel. So we'll be following along on, on that as well, bringing you more interviews with the national shows as our Oregon Ducks look to get drafted in this year's NFL Draft. Please click subscribe or follow. Follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple and on Apple Podcasts if you could leave five out of five stars review. I'd really appreciate it. If you don't think I deserve five stars, leave five anyway. And just mention why in a show review and I'll go ahead and fix it for you. That's what I like to do uh, so we can both have fun doing this. Make sure I'm meeting your needs. And if you want to express those needs, questions, concerns, comments, go ahead and reach out to the show on Twitter using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. This has been Locked on Ducks and your host, Jordan Long. Have a great day, and go Ducks!